Good morning. Hope everybody had a good Christmas and ready for a, a new year and all that it holds that, that we don't know about. We're gonna, we've been singing this morning and we're going to talk about what it means to sing a new song. So if you've got your Bibles with me, turn with me to Psalms 33. We're going to do a little different today. This is a fairly long psalm. And so we're going to jump in here and look at these verses and hopefully cover almost every verse. A couple of things as you get your place. Hopefully you got some notes there in the back if you don't. A couple of praise reports. As of right now, the Lottie Moon total is $6,551. And so we praise the Lord for that. It's a whole lot higher than what it is in your info, God. And God keeps blessing the missionaries through you. We've got two groups leaving this week on mission. We're going to pray for them uh, at the end of the service. Next week, we're going to take a little bit of a break from Psalms for about six weeks. We're going to talk about the connection between our union in Christ, our salvation in Jesus, and how it relates to us, God's people. So I'm excited about that. We'll get, we'll get that kicked off next week. So listen, if you've got your got your notes, look up at the top, the main idea. The steadfast love of the Lord births a new song in the hearts of his people. Let's pray. So Lord, now we have our, our Bibles open, found this Psalm, 33rd Psalm, the Psalm of Thanksgiving. As we set on the start of a new year, Lord. Thinking new things and new thoughts. And, and so, Lord, orient us today around that which is steadfast, immovable. We pray for your people today in Jesus' name. Amen. So, fill in the blank this morning. I need a new. Yeah. Somebody, some, everybody's got something in mind that I need a new something. Yeah, I need a new job, I need a new lease, I need a new boss. I, listen, let's be honest this morning. I need a new spouse. I, maybe I need a new church. I need a new boyfriend. I need a new girlfriend. I just need a new perspective. I need new friends. and Some of that may be true. You know, new things te or temporary new things bring limited temporary excitement. Go to a new restaurant. It's exciting, isn't it? It's a parking lot's full. Go there about three times, and here's what you're going to find out. They have bad nights just like everybody else does. You're going to get a hard, dried-out steak. And said, I thought this new place. Remember Ecclesiastes? There's nothing really new under the sun. Listen to Spurgeon. By the way, I have people ask me all the times. The preacher that stands up and always preaches, who preaches to him? You know who preaches the most preachers? Dead preachers. <laughs> Spurgeon, there's a good guy, preaches to me all the time. He says, to rejoice in temporal comforts is dangerous. To rejoice in self is foolish. To rejoice in sin is fatal. But to rejoice in God is heavenly. That's what Psalms 33 is getting to. Look with me at verse 3. Sort of the center of our whole main theme bursts out of this. It says, sing to him. To him is who? Yahweh. 
Sing to Yahweh a new song. Play skillfully with strings, with loud shouts. Here's the question in the new year with all our new thoughts and new ideas and new desires. Does the new song he's talking about birth from something new or from something that is steadfast? You see, this is important in the way we make decisions. Does the new song birth from something that's new or something that is steadfast, something that is immovable? Look at the main idea again. The steadfast love of the Lord births a new song in the hearts of His people. One commentator said the, the purest form of any hymn of praise is to worship God for who He is and what He does. And if that's true, then Psalms 33 is one of the finest examples of a thanksgiving hymn. Again, Spurgeon says, this is a thanksgiving of the church triumphant. So I just want us to see two simple truths. The steadfast love of the Lord God brings both praise and a declaration. A declaration of trust. And a declaration of trust not only edifies us, God's people, but it is evangelical. It goes out to all peoples. So let's look first. The steadfast love of the Lord God brings praise. I want you to first see that there's some imperatives here. An imperative is a command. Let's look at just a few of them. There are six imperatives in the first three verses. Look at verse 1. Shout for joy in the Lord, all you righteous. Praise befits the upright. So let's just bind ourselves this morning. There's so much here. But let's make sure we don't miss the imperatives. One is shout for joy. Sing joyfully. Shout loudly. That's what that means. It's a response to something. And it is directed towards something. We do not just shout for shouting's sake. Turn with me uh, to back to Psalms 32, what we looked at a couple weeks ago. Look at verse 7. Same word and thought. It says, you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. Listen, you surround me with shouts of deliverance. Now, look down in verse 11 of chapter 32. It says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shouts for joy, all you upright in heart. Same phrase. Shout for joy. It's an imperative. Verse 2. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Now that's not someone not telling the truth. That's an instrument. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. This is important this morning. If the church has fussed about anything more, it's music. This is explicit text in scripture today that we should listen to. That's this word, make melody, second line of verse 2. Look at, look at the context, the harp of ten strings. That word means to pluck. That's what Micah was doing, and his string broke. He's plucking. That's what he's saying. You make melody, you make music, you sing with these instruments. These are stringed instruments. Give thanks with them. You see the first line? Give thanks to the Lord. You know what that word give thanks means? It's a confession. That's what we do when we gather. We confess loud, 
shouts of loud with their instruments. We bring it all. It's imperative. Verse 3. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the, on the strings with loud shouts. Do you see? This word sing there is to sing with words. We sing with our mouth and we sing with instruments. Instruments accompany our voices. They're both imperative here. How we worship. We make music. We write new songs of expressions of thanksgiving to our God. And all of it, all of it is not directed towards man. It's directed towards who? Yahweh. We sing to Him. About Him. And these praise has qualities. So there are imperatives. But there's also qualities of our praise. There should be a quality to our worship. When you hear the word new, if you're taking notes, write the word freshness. Fresh. It's a good word to help understand what we're trying to get to. There's three qualities I want you to see. There's a freshness, there's a passion, and there's a skill. We're bringing all of it to bear in our praise of Yahweh. Verse 3, sing a new song. Listen to Steve Lawson. This is really important. Steve Lawson. A new song is one directed towards God as opposed to an old song before a per person's commitment of faith to God. Paul's quote, and unsaved church members don't sing new songs because they don't have new hearts. They sing someone else's song. A new song comes from a new heart, sings from our commitment of faith to God. Quote, quoting again, an old song was a Canaanite song that would be worldly, meaningless, earthly, and man-centered Listen, reflecting the heart of the writer. But a new song was heavenly, eternal, God-centered, and reflective of a redeemed heart. You're beginning to see the point of the new song. The new song is not just singing something new that Micah wrote. You can be lost and sing that song, and you're singing his song. A new song comes from a new heart. Isaiah 43 Verse 18, speaking of Israel's only Savior, says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? This is important. This new song simply means this morning that every song should emerge from a fresh awareness of God's grace and to see a fresh awareness of God's grace you must be born again this is what he's seeing saying it's fresh it's new it's an expression of God's grace thanksgiving in me and it's passionate you see it he's using everything that one word can mean to pluck. It also can mean to dance. He's bringing it all to bear. We nearly have to look back in the stories and see that God's people do it all. Bring it all to bear. This is the first time musical instruments are mentioned, but it's not the last in the psalm. 
Nehemiah 12, 27. Do you remember that? They were building the wall. Made amazing time and rebuilt the wall. Dedicating the wall of Jerusalem. Nehemiah 12, 27. Here's what God's people did. And at, and at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication, listen, with gladness, with thanksgiving, and with singing, with cymbals, and harps, and lyres. It's passionate. With their mouths and with their instruments. And we are supposed to do it with skill. That's what it says. Sing to him with a new song. Play skillfully on the strings. We do not give God our leftovers. For it brings him no glory to give him your pocket change. Not in your worship and not in your life. We bring our very best. That's what he's saying. I'm bringing my best. Thanksgiving. The best I have to offer. I want to, let's understand this, but so sometimes churches can be a very cruel place where we make fun of each other rather than praying for each other. And oftentimes small churches make fun of big churches and big churches make fun of small churches. And let me ask a question. Parkwood Gastonia right now is worshiping. They got 13, 1,400 people on any given Sunday and their, and their platform is full. Are they showing off? They're being obedient. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if there's a small church plant that has nothing but a radio, and they put in the soundtrack, and they click play, and God's people lift their voice, or the instrument breaks, and God's people proclaims their voice, we are following the same praise principle. We bring our very best to God. Understand that. That's a clear principle in Scripture. And it doesn't matter whether you got 2,000 people in your church or six. We bring our best. We bring it all from beginning of our praise worship to the time we pass the plate. We bring it all, our first fruits. That's the principle of praise. But, oh, brothers and sisters, there's a centrality to our praise that follows the rest of the text. It's in verse 4 and 5. Back to Psalms 33. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. So the centrality of our praise, of our fresh understandings of the grace of God in our life and this world is built around two things. Who God is and what he's done. That's what he's talking about this morning, the psalm. The rest of it, he's just magnifying it. God's nature is the foundation of your praise and mine. Is God's nature new? That's a good question. Is that a trick question? It's not new, it's eternal. But is it new? It's like this. Imagine you can free dive. I looked it up this morning. I think some people can free dive like 700 feet. The typical ocean bottom is somewhere around two miles deep pretty amazing imagine some way or another you could free dive down two miles and you finally hit the ocean bottom you said man took a lot of training but i finally got there and you're able to swim around and said i've got to the bottom of it 
Imagine, I think it's somewhere over near Guam. Imagine you get over there and you see there's a precipice over there. You get over to the precipice and what you just discovered was the Mariano Trench that goes 6.7 or 8 miles straight down. That's God's character. You will spend all your life trying to understand God to get to your older years to go see Jesus. Look down and say, there's 7 miles more down of Him that I haven't even seen yet. The more we know God, the more there is to know God. He is new and He is fresh every day, and yet He has never changed. This is God. Praise the Lord, He's not like us. He is upright. Look at the text. He's upright, faithful, just, steadfast, and sovereign. This is God. Because He is upright, there is no deception, so He is faithful, which means we can trust Him. He is not fickle. He is not changeable. Numbers 23, 19. You remember Balaam was supposed to prophesy against God's people? Here's what, here's what Balaam had ended up saying. Verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, or not a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said, will he not do it? Or he has spoken, will he not fulfill it? The answer is yes. <laughs> what am I going to do? God's already made his decision. This is at the very heart of who Yahweh is and what He does. At the very heart is verse 5. It is His steadfast love for His people. He's bringing all of this to bear for the glory of His name and the good of His people. And He does it in two ways, through His creation and through His providence. So verse 6 and 7 starts to get into what He's done. We see who He is. Now we see what He's done. Look at verse 6. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of His mouth and all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. <laughs> Just the word pictures here are amazing. The word. Look at the verse 6. The word of the Lord, that's His precepts. You can even substitute that for counsel. That's a good word, by the way. Because we're going to see it following through. The counsels of man versus the counsel of God. It's a contrast. By the word, by the counsel of the Lord, the heavens were made. Parallel word from the word, breath. You see it on the second line? By the breath of his mouth. Word of the Lord, breath of his mouth. All their host. Hosts are often used. Sun, moon, stars, and even angels. He spoke it all. John 1.3 says that was Jesus. Genesis 1.2 said it was the Holy Spirit. The triune God. Three in persons. One God. Breathing out everything there was. Look at this picture. Now just think of the Mariano Trench. 6.7 miles straight down all that water. Here's the picture. It's like it's on a blanket. And God in His sovereignty picks it up like a picnic. You ever had a picnic starts to rain? You got all your sandwiches up. What you going to do? You pick up the blanket and all and try to get to covers. It says God does that with the waters. It's what we see in the beginning. In Genesis 1. Everything gathered up in a heap. This is who He is. This is what He's done. And this brings something. It brings praise. It also brings a declaration. A declaration of trust. So if you're making notes, you notice that's missing. The steadfast love of the Lord God brings a declaration of trust. You see, our declarations, our lives, lived in worship, is both a testimony to our God and an evangelical witness to the peoples, to the nations. That's what it produces. 
We live our new songs. You live it with your life before a watching world. And here's just some declarations. So we move through them quickly. Look at verse 8 and 9. We are declaring that we will fear the Lord. By the way, if you want to put a little side note to that, we're also declaring we will call the nations to fear the Lord. This is true of all of these. Let all the inhabitants fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke and He came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. He's going to say this again in Psalms 96. We'll preach this message again. When we get there, Psalms 96 says this, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Listen, verse 3. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous work among all peoples. For great is the Lord, verse 4, and greatly to be paced. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the glory. Do His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Just what He is saying. We declare that we will fear the Lord. And we will call the nations to do the same. What does it mean? To fear God. It means we will honor, we will respect, we will revere Him. That is the only thing that is a Christian. A Christian are people who fear God. If you do not honor, respect, and revere Him, you are not saved. Verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Look at, it's even helping us understand that all the world stand in awe of Him. You see, fear God is a people in submission and devotion to their Lord. And make no mistake, we are all right now fearing something. Psalmist, the Word of God says, fear the Lord. Not only that, look at verse 10 and 11. We will trust in the Lord's decisions. If, if you're taking notes or over decisions, I wish I would have put this word, counsel. It's a better word. We will trust the Lord's decision. The Lord's counsel will make no mistake. The Word of God is His decision. When it speaks, it is spoken. It is done. The Lord brings the counsel of nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations. Now look back up with me at verse 9. This is connected. You see, it says, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. That's connected to verse 10. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. Their counsel, he brings to nothing. His counsel stands forever. This is our declaration of trust. It's what we're declaring. Saying, the world's plans... I'm not putting my trust in that. Because it says right here, God's going to frustrate that. He's going to bring them to nothing. That's what it means. It means He's going to scatter it and baffle them. They can make their plans, but if the Lord turns the light on, their plans just scatter like cockroaches. That's the picture here. So we will trust in the Lord's counsel, not our own. We will trust in the Lord's providential care. 
Now, this is getting into our life. For God created the world, and He did. But He governs this world. How does He govern it? This is what we're talking about. This is their testimony of trust. This is not only what they're saying to each other. This is what they're declaring to the nations, to their friends, their unbelieving families. Verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The peoples whom he has chosen as his heritage. Blessed are those who align themselves with the Lord God. They and they alone will experience the fullness of this inheritance he's talking about. Now you should think about something. Sometimes we're far more American than Christian. We are Christians who live in America. This word is true for those who live in dictatorships right now. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. You should think of 1 Peter 2.9 when you hear that. For it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? Why are we a holy nation? That we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. What is Peter saying? You are saved to sing a new song. A new song before the world. That's why you exist. And God is... Looking down on a nation. Those who fear Him and those who don't. Verse 13. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees the children of man. This is back to theology again. He's saying that God not only has all knowledge of all things, He is omnipresent as well. He's everywhere at all times. He sees everything. So it matters not. Whether we're here in America and our brothers that are in Haiti or the Congo this morning, God sees. Hebrews 4.13, And no creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him of whom we must give an account. But don't let your warped view of someone that someone's told you about God, for this is a song of thanksgiving. He's saying... That's why I'm so happy. Because my God is everywhere at all times. He sees me. I can't get somewhere that He can't see. And people's plans to hurt me or to destroy me did not finally destroy me, for my God is with me. In other words, His God's is safety. The most important doctrine you need to understand this morning. And quit saying, I can't understand doctrine. For you get pumped full of doctrine every time you watch TV. We've been pumping our kids full of Disney doctrine for years. Most of them believe in fate. Because every Disney movie that's ever been existed teaches your children something about how they exist. It teaches them a philosophy of life. What is the difference between fate and providence? It's important this morning that we just pause for a second because this is why he's singing. Providence says this. Whatever God wills will be, will be. Fate says this. Whatever will be, will be. You see the difference? It's a dramatic difference. We do not live a Forrest Gump existence with a feather flying around and just do your best and think good thoughts of yourself and hope everything turns out all right. We serve a God who created the world and He governs it. And His eye of steadfast love is on those who fear Him. 
That's the good news this morning. That's the good news. That should be producing a new song in you right now. Here's what he's saying. I don't trust in man's might. I trust in God's might. Verse 16 and 17. Think about what good news this was to a king. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. A war horse is a false hope for salvation. By his great might, he cannot rescue. What a relief if you're a king. This is not all up to me. Yeah, I've got to fight, and David did. The other kings around him, yeah, they fought, but here's the, the understanding. Proverbs 21, 31. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. It's good news this morning. Numbers count for nothing against God. And God's eye is on his people. The American economy is a vain thing to put your trust in for the new year. It's a vain thing. It's not safe. It's not safe. The church wins, by the way. That affects everything about us. We declare. It's not man's might, it's God's might. We declare. Listen, this is the point this morning. This is, this is at, right at the center. Verse 18 to 19. We declare His steadfast love is fixed on us. Man, it's good. Look at what He says. Verse 18, that's what He says. You know, in my translation, it would say, man, right there. Instead, it says, behold, listen, <laughs> look. Pay attention. The eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him and on those who hope in His steadfast love. Why? That He may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. The eye of the Lord is His loving care for His people. His eye is on you. Not as a bad father who's ready to smack his child in the head because he accidentally spills his milk. He's got His eye on him because he loves. If someone is not caring for you and protecting you, they are not loving you. And today, if you say you love your spouse and you are not denying yourself, if you're not loving them, if you're not caring for them, if you're not doing anything to protect them, the Bible says you don't love them. Our action speaks our theology, you see. God's action speaks. He's saying the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear Him. Steadfast love. It's the most beautiful word in all the Bible. Steadfast. It's immovable. It doesn't change. This is the very character of Yahweh. It's the very character of Jesus. God's love is a love that really protects and really provides. So, what can we take away today? There was a whole lot more I could say about the text, and there is. We could preach this again and never touch the same points. I wanted to spend a few minutes in our takeaways to talk about some of the enemies that are probably in the room today. The enemies of the new song. So what are, what are they? What is the enemy of thanksgiving in your life right now? What is the enemy of praise? What is the enemy of the new song in your life? What will keep the new song quiet in your soul? 
What exists in your life right now that is literally right now blindfolding you to be able to see the grace of God that he has put right in front of your face? Or we could say, probably ungratefulness. And that would be true. (laughs) We are a spoiled, entitled people. And we raise spoiled, entitled children. That's true. But is that the heart of it? What is at the center of your ungratefulness? What is at the center of my cynical nature? What is at the what is, it, what is at the center of my pessimistic attitude towards life and ministry and fill in the blank? This has been a very helpful book for me. Written by Paul Tripp of his a life, and it's called Suffering. I would recommend it. Another, another thing that I've been reading on my own, but it spoke right into the text today. So let me get to the heart of why sometimes... I believe the new song grows stagnant in your soul and mine. It's this truth. God's ways are confusing. True or false? <laughs> I might be honest in the room. You live long enough, and you're going to say, God, this don't make a bit of sense. What in the world are you doing? Why now? Why here? Why then? If you hadn't had it, you just wait. It's coming. That's just the truth. The question is, what you going to do about it when it happens? Is that event causing you to come to your God and ask Him that question? Do you feel free to do that? Because you should. And if we can't, we must rip out a big part of the psalm because that's what they're saying. When God's ways are confusing... We go to Him with it. Sincere questions are good before God. That's what His humble children do. Because here's what I'm afraid of. Many of you haven't done it. And here's what will happen. It's going to happen if it hadn't happened. The thing that is masking, that will quench the grace of God in your life, your ability to sing from it, is doubt. Because that's what comes when we don't lament to God. When we don't lament, we will grow doubtful. And here's what you will do. You will bring God into your own courtroom to determine if He is faithful, good, and true. And doubt will grow to scorn. It will grow into bitterness. And bitter people don't sing. So what can we do First is to understand this. According to the God that exists and has revealed himself in Scripture, God is not singling you out today. He is not ignoring your needs. And he has not forgotten your suffering. God sees it all, brothers and sisters. He not only sees what you go through, he sees the one who puts you through it. He never misses a thing. He never slumbers or sleeps. So what can you do if you are struggling with doubt today? I've just got four things. One of them leads to our last takeaway. Stop trusting yourself so much. (laughs) Stop trusting your assumptions. Can we all be honest? Me and you are historically unreliable. 
True. True. I am historically unreliable, so if I am, and I married a historical unreliable person that I love, she's got a problem too. So what happens in our life when we hit something that doesn't make sense? We must find something steadfast, and that's not new. That is something that has always been. It is our Lord God who never changes, who never moves, who never makes a bad decision, and has revealed himself to me. I need to stop trusting myself and my assumptions and start looking for his word who says what I can trust in. Second, I just need to lament to God. I just need to go to him. Write it down if you need to. Write down what you're confused and what you're struggling, what scares you. Write down, lay it before him, lay it at the cross and keep laying it there. Until the song in your soul leaps off the page. Start serving and encouraging other people. I always thought if I worked in the hospital, I would have a hard time being full of so self-pity. Because every time you walk in a room, there's probably somebody that has ten times more wrong than you do. Start serving. This is what Jesus says. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow him. In the midst of your struggling, in the midst of your doubt, Serve other people. Encourage other people. Lastly, when's the last time you counted your blessings? Me and Christina talked about that this week. You know, I don't deserve to still have my my parents here, but they are here. I don't deserve to be able to spend Christmas with my parents family, some came home from college, or my wife, who I'm still blessed to have with, and on and on it goes. Here's the question. Will I hope in his love as you wait today? Because listen, all things have not been made right, but they will be. There's hope for those who wait on the Lord. There's rejoicing as we wait. Listen to verse, go back to Psalms 32. Look at verse 20. Our soul waits for the Lord. Psalms 33, I'm sorry. Psalms 33, verse 20. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in Him. Because we trust in His holy name. Do you see it? Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us. Look, even As we hope in you, as we hope, as we suffer, as we struggle, as we're just not sure what the next six months are going to hold, your heart can be glad because we trust in his holy name. So can we practice this with each other for just a second? Do you know, beloved, that as you wait... That you are clothed in the righteousness. That you've been raised up and seated in heavenly places. That you have a position before Christ because of His grace and faith in Christ. He has declared you not just forgiven, but righteous. And to prove it, He sealed you with the promise of the Holy Spirit. The same God that administered creation lives in you. He's keeping you. You're adopted right now as you wait into a real family with a real inheritance. 
That right now, as we wait, we have a real Jesus that is our real brother. That he has really given us a word from him to us. Do you understand that there is a real safety? That there is a real protection? Do you understand how God works out his sovereign providence? Through responsible people. There's a tension for you. There's a tension for you. He could have saved the world, but he sends us. He could save your neighbor, but he puts you beside of them. You understand? This is how he orchestrates in his world that he is in control of. He's put us in it and set his steadfast love on us and has deployed us for the mission of God and says we are to sing as we go. Brothers and sisters, every day you live gives you fresh reasons to praise the Lord. Every day. You woke up this morning in your right mind with the bed laying underneath you and most of us somebody laying beside you or at least in the house close to you or who texted you and came spent Christmas with you. Every day, every year, every Christmas, every New Year's, every birthday, every day we draw our breath, fresh reasons to praise the Lord. You woke up saved today. You didn't deserve that. So every time we have an opportunity, we do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together because the redeemed of the Lord must say so. We have to. It doesn't matter where we live. It doesn't matter what the laws of the land are. The redeemed of the Lord must say so. And so we close today. A growth group text. Couldn't pick a better one. Colossians 3.16 Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. God, You have given us a good word. What better thing to start off the new year than with a word that's never changed, that's declaring a God that never changed. Oh God, we need in our lives right now something that will not give up on us. Oh, that your church would reflect that to people this year. God, would you do that in us? Oh, that that would be a message. Because my steadfast Jesus does not give up on me, I will not give up on you. What a message to people who need to hear it today. And you have given it to us. Because we need it. So we thank you. For your grace. 
thank you for 2018. When you did all kind of things that, that were wonderful and all kind of things that we didn't understand. And yet, Lord, we declare today as your church that we trust you because your church wins. We are the church. So we got something to sing about. So, Lord, we want to sing to you. We want to praise the Lord and then we want to put arms around each other as some of us are leaving to go different places to be about your work and to see your work in other places. We're going to give in just a minute and we want to give our first and our best. And then the hard part, Lord, we're going to get up and go out and to people who don't understand, they're not singing, God. Some of us are in homes and people in the homes aren't singing. Some of us have children that are not singing, God. We want them to be singing. We want them to see your grace, God. They're not singing today. There are those across the ocean who don't even know about your son, Lord. They cannot sing. So, God, there is much for us to do. But we declare today that we will do it according to your word with your strength for your glory with praise on our lips and hope in our heart because your word cannot fail your plans will be fulfilled in every nation every tribe every tongue will one day stand around your throne and sing praise to the lamb God we choose to sing it now we want to sing it now with an expectation of what it's going to be then. Put a praise in our hearts today as we sing together. In Jesus' name. Stand and sing together. <laughs>